it is possible that Hosea 6, 7 is talking about Adam. That's always a possibility since the word itself can be used for the place name for humanity or for the person of Adam. So that's true. But at the same time, contextually, it's a very locationally driven passage. It's, it's a very geographically oriented passage. And it's talking about uh, Adam, it's talking about Gilead, talking about Shechem. It makes a lot more sense to see that as locationally oriented or geographically oriented. This is the Bible Sojourner, where we discuss issues related to the Bible, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Peter Gaiman, professor of Old Testament and biblical languages at Shepherd's Theological Seminary. Shalom and welcome. Thanks for joining. Welcome back to another episode of The Bible Sojourner. Today we're going to be talking about the covenant of works and whether Hosea 6-7 is evidence for that. I've gotten quite a few questions about this text periodically. In fact, I can remember three or four different people reaching out to me asking me what my thoughts were on that. And so instead of continuing to reply to those and try to sketch out some emails and whatever, I thought I'd just walk us through that passage because if it's not for this passage, then the covenant of works is in sore need of proof texting. And I think a lot of people, now I know, and if you're not familiar with covenant theology, most of most of you, if you're viewing this or listening to this, you are familiar with it, but the covenant of works is part of the threefold or tripartite package of covenant theology. You have the covenant of works, covenant of redemption between the Trinity, and you have the covenant of grace where God offers salvation to humanity and saves his elect. So the covenant of works is pretty essential to covenant theology, and it actually ties into salvation in their system. And I don't think the covenant of works is biblical. I don't think that there's any merit to it. And so I get a lot of flack from the Reformed crowd, even though I love the Reformed crowd. Hopefully they can stomach me in some capacity. But the real question is, does Hosea 6-7 provide a foundation for the covenant of works? Because it seems to say that God made a covenant with Adam, right? And so let's jump over and look at this text. I'm going to read it for us in context, and we're going to see what it says. Okay, so picking up in verse 4 to get a little context in Hosea 6, he says, What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Now, right there, that verse, Hosea 6.6, 6, is fantastic. Just another reminder, as we see throughout the prophets, and, and a lot of times, allow me to just insert this bit of teaching here. A lot of times people assume the New Testament is correcting the Old Testament idea of, you know, just regulation and keeping the law. That's what the Old Testament was teaching. The Old Testament, like the New Testament, was always concerned with the heart and obedience. And so this idea, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. And I desire knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. God's just reminding the people what's really important. The heart has always been the issue. He desires not just the externals, but the internals, okay? So time out. Old Testament is all about that as well. Now in verse 7, we read this. Like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. 
Now, a lot of times, and uh, in one of the podcasts somebody sent me recently, uh, there was a rather well-known reformed individual who was referring to the covenant of works, and he quoted that section of the verse saying, well, we see this all over in, in Scripture. We see Hosea 6, 7 say, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. God made a covenant with Adam. And so Israel's being compared to Adam saying, hey, you also transgressed the covenant. And so we just constantly see this violation of the covenant of works, etc. Okay, that's a possible understanding of this passage. But more often than not, covenant theologians will refer to Hosea 6, 7a but they will not refer to B, okay? And that's the second part of the verse. That's normally how we differentiate. A would be the beginning, B would be the second part. If there's a third part, that'd be C, et cetera. So what does this passage mean? Is this a solid reference for the covenant of works? And I would say it's not. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some, take some liberty here and walk us through some of these uh, steps and and say how we should understand this. So first thing is that this is Hebrew poetry uh, within the prophets, and so we should expect some parallelism. And parallelism, for example, Hosea 6.6 6 is similar to how we would expect uh, parallelism to operate. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. And then it doesn't even repeat the verb because the same kind of idea is being spelled out in the second part. Uh, I desire is the verb that's implied there, but it's not found there. I desire knowledge of God rather than burnt offering. So what's the difference between sacrifice and burnt offering? Well, there is a difference technically, but at the same time, it is getting the same theme across, right? We understand that. It's talking about the same thing. It's just talking about it in a slightly different way, okay? That's that's basically the the normal means of Hebrew poetry is that in, in this, uh, oftentimes you you see a correspondence is the word that's often thrown out in Hebrew poetry where you have line A says something and line B says not the exact same thing, but something very, very similar to communicate that same point. Okay. You also have what's called antithetical parallelism where you'll have line B say something opposite in order to communicate uh, an opposite reality and talk about the subject from two sides of the same issue. So, Looking at Hosea 6-7, what is the parallelism here? Like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There, they dealt faithlessly with me. Now, you might say, well, wait a second. Is this just, are the translators messing up here? Are the translators liberal here? Are the translators being you know, very, very liberal in, in their understanding of this? Well, the thing to, I mean, this is, this is basically day you know, three in any beginning Hebrew class. The word here in Hosea 6, 7 for there is just the very common sham is, is how you say it in Hebrew. Sham is the word for there in Hebrew. It's most often, there may be some exceptions to that, but it's most often locationally driven. So it's uh, geospatial. It's talking about location-wise. So in other words, like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There, at that place, they dealt faithlessly with me. Now, somebody might say, well, where would the there be? Well, it may interest you to know, and here I'm jumping over to the Anchor Bible Dictionary. So the Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary, a uh, really good scholarly re- resource. Uh, it, it talks about Adam or Adam as a place. And so it says this is a city located in the Transjordan north of the place where the Israelites crossed the Jordan into Palestine. And we can see that in Joshua 3, 
14 through 17. So if I bring up that text there, it says the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of the harvest. Important note there. And the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. So it's talking in Joshua 3 here, we have a reference to the crossing of the Jordan River, okay? And this crossing of the Jordan River is emphasizing, you know, okay, the waters were stacked up at this specific location at the city of Adam. Okay, so everyone knows that Adam is a location. I mean, that's undeniable from the biblical text, right? But the real question is, what is being referenced here in Hosea 6? Now, a lot of people will say that there is uh, a liberal tendency here among more recent modern commentators who are departing from the stream of the Reformation. And people want to say, you know, you're liberal if you're saying that Hosea 6, 7 is talking about a location, right? Because that's the modern tendency among non-conservative commentators, etc. Well, I would just say if you look at the evidence, there are a lot of good, strong arguments to see that this is location. One, we know that Adam is a city, okay? It's a very well-attested city, both biblically and archaeologically. We know where Adam is. And I'm going to, uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I just am going to show an atlas here, a map, okay? And I'll describe what I'm, what I'm seeing here. But right in the middle of the map is the city of Adam. And it's located on the Jordan River, well attested. Uh, I've been there a few times. And so we know where that city is. And what's interesting is that it's located right at, a, at an important crossroads on the Jordan River, uh, an important trade route. In fact, going back to the Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary article, it says, at Adam, the city, significant travel routes intersected. And then you can compare 2 Samuel 18.23 and Hosea 6.9, which made it easily accessible to Pharaoh Shishak, who uh, reigned in Egypt uh, 945 to 924 BCE. So basically what I'm trying to point out, going back to the atlas now on the map, is that Adam as a place, we know where it is and we know where it's located. It's located right between Gilead on the right so Gilead on the Transjordan side, if you're just visualizing this, Gilead is on the Transjordan side, the right side of the river, and Shechem is on the east side. So again, I'm highlighting these on the map if you're watching, but on if you're listening, Shechem is, is to the east. And there's actually a valley that goes from Adam to Shechem to make it a very accessible route, okay? Every atlas recognizes this. If you just pick up any atlas, I should say every atlas worth their salt, you know, you if you if you pick up a good atlas, they're going to show you that. That Gilead is just to the right, and then you have Shechem to the left, and Adam is the crossroads. Now, if we turn our attention back to Hosea 6-7, what we see is that there are a lot of locational markers all over which verify what we're looking at through the atlases, locational markers, etc. So in verse 6 or sorry, excuse me, verse 7, we see that there's a locational marker there already, 
Uh, it says there, so Adam is being paralleled with a place. So that's just Hebrew 101, okay? So if anyone says that you're liberal for just reading the Hebrew Bible, then sorry, can't really rationalize with that individual. But also you have all these uh, locational markers there. So look, verse 8, we, we stopped reading there, but again, reading in context is very important. In verse 8, it says, Gilead is a city of evildoers tracked with blood. And then it says, as robbers lie in wait for a man, so the priests band together. They murder on the way to Shechem. They commit villain, villainy. And if you read that and you go back to the atlas and put that together again, you have Shechem in the northwest and the valley and route that go to Shechem from Gilead on the east passes right through Adam or right through Adam, the city there on the fords of the Jordan River, a very common uh, crossing for the people. And so when we think of this, I would just uh, you know point out, we're just doing faithful exegesis. We're trying to do exegesis. We're, we're looking through the passage. We're, we're looking at the language itself. Sham is used there to parallel Adam. Uh, Adam is a very uh, well-known, well-attested location. And if, if we're putting all these things together, the evidence, I would say, is very weighty that Hosea 6-7 is talking about Adam as a place, and there was some kind of covenant treachery there where you had uh, the people there lying in wait, ambushing people on the trade route going from Gilead to Shechem. I mean, that's literally what the text says. And so if we think, why would they talk about, why would they throw in Adam there? That seems way out of context. Now, is it possible? It is possible that Hosea 6, 7 is talking about Adam. That's always a possibility since the word itself can be used for the place name for humanity or for the person of Adam. So that's true. But at the same time, contextually, it's a very locationally driven passage. It's, it's a very geographically oriented passage. And it's talking about uh, Adam, it's talking about Gilead, talking about Shechem. It makes a lot more sense to see that as locationally oriented or geographically oriented. And I would just throw out there that the reason people want to make want to make Hosea 6-7 a reference to a covenant with Adam is simply because they need some sort of proof text to argue that there was a covenant made with Adam. Because apart from Hosea 6-7, there's no reference with the word covenant with Adam whatsoever. Now, I will freely admit that doesn't end the discussion. But I will say it's it's in, improper to use Hosea 6-7 as evidence for a covenant that has been made with Adam. So I hope that's helpful for you. If you have feedback on that or questions, I'm happy to try to interact as much as possible with that. I know it can be a very sticky issue, especially because almost all Reformed commentators point to that as evidence. But like I said, I think, I think the Hebrew evidence is, and geographical evidence is rather overwhelming on how to interpret that passage. And I would also say people who don't have a theological predisposition to interpret the passage a certain way will just take it as a location because that makes most sense. So be happy to hear from you. You can reach out and contact me on the contact form on my website, petergaming.com. You can also leave a comment in the YouTube section. I, I try to interact as much as possible on there, or you can leave a comment on social media and I'll try to get back to you. Uh, also, I've been informed that I need to keep reminding people to uh, share, like, comment, subscribe, because that's how the YouTube and social media algorithms, you know, prioritize things being shared. 
So I will just mention that. And then if you don't, I will sleep fine at night. But I'm supposed to mention that. That is what uh, people are requesting me to say. Otherwise, they will beat me and I don't want to be beaten again. So no, I'm just kidding. So do whatever you want with that. Uh, I'm thankful for all that have reached out to me and encouraged me. I pray that this will continue to be helpful for others. would love to hear from you. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.